So this brings us to the time of reading Scripture. Reading the verses of the Word of God. So I invite you, if you're willing and able, to stand to hear the Word of God. Today we're reading from Mark chapter 10. And, and today this, this passage is, is a little bit of a familiar spot. But hear something new and pay close attention in these words what Jesus is doing. Hear what Jesus is doing in this. If you've got your Bible app, I encourage you to follow along or you can follow along on the screen. Starting in chapter, chapter 10 verse 46. They came to Jericho as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar was sitting by the roadside. When he turned that it was G, when he learned that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, "Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me." Many sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he cried out even more loudly. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart. Get up. He is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. Then said to, Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do? For you. The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. moment of personal privilege, uh, before we expound on the word, I just wanted to tell you uh, one of the things, some of the things I've been hearing in those listening sessions, I bet some of you wish you could be a fly on the wall for some of those, depending on who is going to be in them. <laughs> um, I do want to tell you that um, folks are passionate about their worship service, their worship experience. Those whose hearts are touched deeply by the traditional music and a traditional service are just so proud of the excellence of music that they have in their sanctuary service early on Sunday morning. And it's the same level and degree of passion that I hear from those who have been deeply touched and joined the safe harbor worship community. But even more than that, Probably every, yes, every single session, I've heard someone mention the, the radical hospitality they have received, especially those who are newer to this church, those who've arrived within the last dozen years or so, have mentioned people by name who have made them feel so welcome they knew they were home. So it won't surprise you about some of the names that keep coming up over and over again. Vicki Fuller, Larry Mason, and others have just touched people's hearts in such a deep way. And without their witness and their radical openness to, to know new people, 
this fellowship wouldn't be what it is today. So I just wanted to share with you some of those celebrations that I've been hearing as another encouragement to be open to letting me know what I need to hear about our church before I really, you know, get up and, and running uh, with our ministry. It may be some time before we can get back to what we were doing before COVID hit, but, all, but probably God has some things we need to do while we're sitting in the mess, in the chaos we're in as well. So I just offer you again that invitation. Let us pray. Gracious Lord God, we have all come here with all the broken little pieces of our lives. For some of us, it's more uh, like a crack in a window shield that has been widening over time, dependent on the weather. And for others of us, we... Uh, We've reached a point where we are already crying out to you. Heal us. Heal us from those things which have hurt us from without. Heal us from those aspects of our lives where our own sin has wounded us. Lord, today we come to you offering you our brokenness. And we desperately want to hear from Jesus, our healer. So open our hearts to your word today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we've been exploring these miracles of Jesus. And a couple weeks ago, we looked into Jesus' miracle of abundance, especially the one where he multiplied the loaves and the fishes for the thousands who had gathered and were finding themselves hungry with, uh, with not enough to eat. And then last week, Reverend Chris invited us to see Jesus reaching out as Peter was disappearing beneath the chaos of the dark waters and allows him to not rise up to be on the waters, but even above those waters. So the miracle of Jesus and how many times he used water as one of those images uh, to show us the abundance of the kingdom of God. So today, we are going to look at uh, the healing ministries of Jesus. We can't nearly look at all of them. That would take an entire series of Bible studies, probably, to, to lift up all of those scriptures because the largest group of healings, I mean of miracles, were actually healings of one kind or another. Jesus spent a surprising amount of time healing people, sometimes in groups, sometimes one-on-one. -on -one. We saw him heal folks whose name was recorded in the Gospels, and we've seen him heal unnamed people where only their affliction was mentioned. Before I go any further, I, had, I, I just had a revelation last night as, uh, as I was trying to fall asleep that perhaps the better scripture to lift it up during this time where we're all trying to protect ourselves from infection 
might have been one of the healings of leprosy because Jesus did heal lepers. And uh, in the Gospel of Mark, that is the first individual healing that is mentioned. Mark chapter 1 He uh, heals a man afflicted of leprosy who calls out to him and says, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I want to, and uh, cleanses him and, and orders him to go to the priest because, and it seems odd that he would, that would be his next phrase, but if you know anything about the Old Testament and the Jewish faith, in, uh, Back in Leviticus, you know that book we love to read from cover to cover, Leviticus. But back in Leviticus, it does tell you when you touch a leper what you're supposed to do. And leprosy is contagious. It is a disease that still exists in our world today. However, we do have antibiotics these days where those did not exist uh, back in Jesus' day. Well, you're supposed to... uh, sequester yourself, or we might say quarantine, for seven days. And after those seven days, you are supposed to present yourself to a priest. And at that time, that priest will tell you that you are either infected or you need to go back and quarantine for another seven days. So this whole 14 days of quarantine, I mean, it's kind of coming back to us, isn't it? What's remarkable about that particular healing, I kind of diverge, but it really is all on the same point I'm trying to bring to us today, that every time Jesus heals, he's allowing us to put our brokenness in his hands. All of our broken places are in his hands. So this leper did that in this way. And truly, Jesus' very hands touched the infectious disease, touched this man's diseased skin, and, uh, and he lived to tell the tale three more years in his ministry. He does instruct the man to go to the priest to follow the law and the prophets. But did you ever notice that Jesus himself, after touching the leper, does not present himself to a priest? There is an ancient, of course, I'm here I'm going off on a tangent, but there is one of the ancient fathers said this, something to this effect, that Jesus cannot heal what he has not tasted. And another way of that would say, Jesus has to experience your brokenness for him to work in your healing now, here's a foreshadowing, right? I think the, story, the next story is really at the gates of Jerusalem. It opens the gates to Jerusalem. We know once he's in Jerusalem that Jesus takes that thought about his brokenness is what heals us to the max level, right? And he is broken that all that ails us and that our very sin would be taken, taken away through his sacrifice, All right, well, that's kind of a foreshadowing. I believe in Jesus' miracles that these actions that he takes, which give us a glimpse into God's might and kingdom, that they are a vehicle that they're just as much a message for us as any of his words or stories ever were. He 
His whole ministry is not just about what he says. It's about watching what he does and evidencing God at work through him in the world. And so, as he heals these lepers and the paralytics and the women and the men who come his way, the named and the unnamed, their broken places are in his hands. Like Job, Jesus rejected the theory that sickness was some kind of way that God would punish sins. That was pretty common. Actually, it's pretty common for someone to think that today in some circles and in some places in the world. But uh, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, about a blind man from birth, that neither this mother nor his uh, parents sinned. This man and his parents, none of them sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So that's one, one way that Jesus showed us that we're not necessarily punished by our sin by getting sick, but Jesus did teach that sin is one of the kinds of sicknesses that we are afflicted from. In Mark chapter 2 verse 17, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So it's not surprising that if he really did come to heal the afflicted and to save us from our sin, that he spent so much time with sinners. And so many of the sick came to him, and not one that asked in his presence for healing of themselves or someone else was ever turned away. When uh, in this scripture, when it says that, that Jesus heals or this man is healed, the Greek word sozo is used. And what's interesting is there is the same word. There's no different word for both healing and saving. So when the person who's listening to this story heals that, hears that Jesus healed this man, Sozo, they're also healing, hearing saved. This man was saved. And it's the same for the noun that has the same root. Sotir is the name for both a physician and savior. So it is not surprising that we consider Jesus the great physician, and that he truly came not only to heal, but to save. So I said before that today's gospel opens the gates of Jerusalem, and it starts in Jericho, which is a town just north of the Dead Sea and uh, right alongside the Jordan River. And it is in that town where we're introduced to this man, Bartimaeus, now, did you ever notice when something is mentioned twice in the Bible, we're supposed to pay twice as much attention to it? So Bartimaeus is introduced as son of Timaeus, which basically means you've said his name twice. Bar means son. Timaeus means man of honor. And so here you have Bartimaeus, son of honor, who is introduced to us in this place. And he is in a position of shame. He's in a position of need, of, of uh, begging for his 
sustenance because of his lack of sight. And the story begins with a shout, okay? He shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The last time someone was recorded to have shouted at the gates of Jerusalem, I mean, not Jerusalem, of Jericho, do you know what happened? Do you remember? I hear some laughter. The walls came tumbling down. And whose army was that that shouted out before those walls fell down? Do you remember? Joshua. Yes. Now, Joshua is actually the Hebrew, the Hebrew name of Jesus. If you're saying Jesus' name in Hebrew, you're saying Yeshua, Joshua. And so here is now blind Bartimaeus shouting out, Yeshua, Joshua, son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. And it makes me wonder, what barrier is going to be torn down now? What barrier is God going to level to the ground or tear apart for healing to happen in this time and place? Did you ever go to the doctor? I hope you do. I hope you don't put off your annual visits. But did you ever go to the doctor with a specific question in mind or specific complaint or ache or pain or maybe even a mole that's kind of a little bit funny and that is what you want specifically to ask the doctor about when you go to visit, all right? Then before you leave, before you know it, you are leaving the office with orders for blood tests and a scan or a mammogram of some kind and probably a couple of extra prescriptions for good measure that you need to fill that you never had before. Did you ever have have that, where the doctor asks questions, and you're like, well, I really came in for this, but they're trying to, you know, get a look of the whole of you. While they have you there, they want to make sure they've got all their bases covered, and I thank God that our doctors pay attention to us in that way. But when you leave such an appointment, do you ever feel like, do I even remember why I got here in the first place? Bartimaeus, no doubt, experienced more than one area of brokenness and need in his life. I mean, which one of us isn't, doesn't have complex needs enough to say, you know, every time I go to God in prayer, am I going to be able to get through my whole list in five minutes or even an hour? Like, is there enough time in the day for me to lift up the brokenness of the world? No. But Bartimaeus' blindness was the thing that you saw first. It's the thing on the surface that everybody would notice, okay? You could see that he didn't have his sight, and, uh, but you couldn't see anything below the surface. So when we see with our eyes but not with our souls, we can only see so much of what a person is experiencing. Have you ever thought you just, you never know what someone's going through in their life just by looking at them? What Jesus knew. So when Bartimaeus shouts out, have mercy on me, that word that he used for mercy can mean help me. It can mean heal me. It can mean have compassion 
on me, but it's actually very vague, isn't it? Heal from what? You know, is there something below the skin that I can't see with my eyes? Do you need help with food? Like, how, how would Jesus, well, Jesus knew everything because he was God, but how could just the average observer know what Bartimaeus was really asking for when he asked for mercy? So Jesus responds with a question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I am deeply touched by the respect and dignity with which Jesus treats Bartimaeus in this very moment. This is before he does a thing, before he heals, before, you know, before anything else. He asks this question, what do you want me to do for you? And this question demonstrates something that Jesus is trying to teach me, and it might be something that he's trying to teach you. He teaches me not to jump to conclusions about the challenges we see others facing. When someone, uh, I don't know, does something suspect in public, rather than denouncing them for either honking their horn or cutting me off in traffic or cutting in line at the grocery store, you know, whatever kind of insensitive things somebody might do in public or worse. I think Jesus is trying to teach me not to jump to conclusions about that. Also, when someone is coming to me asking for help, not assuming I know what they need the most, that they can probably speak to that if I treat them not as um, another need, but as a whole person. Because someone might come to the door disheveled, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're coming to look for clothes or necessarily that they're hungry and need food. Maybe they do need someone to just look them in the eye and tell them they are a beloved child of God. Maybe they don't have any words left to pray and need someone to put words to the groanings of their heart that they can't express themselves. So Jesus is teaching us not to assume that we know what's best for someone else. He's teaching us to respect the autonomy of every individual person, that there is no person, no matter how young or old or abled or differently abled, who cannot speak to their own need on their own. I think he's also showing me that God's grace is gracious. He, is, he never seems to be in a hurry, this Jesus. I want to tell him, come on, speed it up. You only have three years. You know, do all the good you can and all the places you can, all the times you can, to everybody you can. But every time someone reaches out to him, he stops, he looks, he pays attention to the deepest part of them and is completely gracious to that person in that moment. At Jesus' gracious invitation, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, this uh, son of honor, having been epitomeo, are you getting kind of the play on words, Bartimaeo, 
Epitomeo was when they rebuked him. The crowd rebuked him for calling out to Jesus. So they shamed him. Jesus restores his honor through his gracious invitation. So now he's Timeo again, bar of Timeo. He puts his places, his broken places in Jesus' healing hands. Jesus has done it before. Jesus will do it again in the gospel. And Jesus is still allowing us to put our broken places in his healing hands. Bartimaeus' sight is restored in the gospel. It says immediately. I think Mark is, Mark, that's his, that's his catchphrase. And next, and next, immediately. So immediately his sight is restored and he heads right to off with Jesus. He says, and he follows Jesus on the way. Now, you remember where Jesus is on his way to from Jericho? I said he was going to open the gates of Jerusalem. The very next verse, Jesus has arrived and enters the gates of Jerusalem. Bartimaeus' sight is restored just in time to be an eyewitness to Jesus' passion. He is there to see Jesus enter through the gates of Jerusalem on the donkey, right? And the parade that was there and the people who called out Hosanna. He is there to witness the trials and his journey toward Golgotha uh, with his cross. And he is there in Jerusalem the day that the skies turned dark in the middle of the afternoon And not only were the gates opened like the walls came tumbling down, but the curtain was then torn in two so that there would be nothing to separate us from God through Christ's sacrifice and resurrection, that that would be the way in which we can have a direct access to the heaven that that Jesus preached his whole life. So, Listen today to Jesus asking you, what can I do? What do you want me to do for you? You know where all your broken places are. And you may or may not have shared that with anyone else because it just may not be obvious what it is that you're struggling with. And even though God already knows what his will for your life would be, where where it is that he wants you to seek him out. But he is asking you today, what do you want me to do for you? Can you, like Bartimaeus, trust this gracious Lord by just placing all of that brokenness, all of your need, all of your yearnings and desires Can you place them today in his healing hands? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.